This episode is sponsored by Cyberlytica, combating fraud, account takeover, and information warfare. Get a free dark web password scan now from Cyberlytica. Use promo code HACKEDAGAIN. My guest today is Evgeny, the VP of Cybersecurity Solution Architecture at Hershevik Group. In his current role at Hershevik, he designs optimum security solutions for large enterprise clients by taking into account both their current infrastructure and future needs. Evgeny recently started the Security Architecture podcast to give back to communities and help companies improve cybersecurity architecture. A little background of the Hershevik Group, they provide cybersecurity products and services to enterprise organizations, expertise in comprehensive security services, including advisory services, technology architecture and implementation, identity and access management, managed security services, threat hunting and management, and digital forensics and incident response. And Ginny, curious, what keeps you up at night? Depend on the day. I have three little kids, so a lot of the time the kids. But beside the kids, there are some other factors. I think last 18 months was a very interesting month for our cybersecurity. A lot of companies moved to the cloud because of many different reasons. And one of the parts that always worry me is that they adopted SaaS services. They adopted IES services, such as AWS, Azure, GCP. And I see many companies don't have all the needed or the right controls in the cloud. And this is one of the parts that I think people need to spend more time looking. How are they doing this? How do they connect? Do they have two-factor authentication? Do they really know what's happening and who is spinning different part of the infrastructure in the cloud? This is one part. And the second part is the idea of table topics exercise or drills or risk acceptance. People really afraid and don't want to be hacked, don't want to be breached and don't want to lose information. And I have a feeling sometimes I spend more time thinking about this versus preparing. For example, we all know about fire and we all do monthly quarterly inspection or used to do inspections in the, in the buildings. And the reason why we'll do an inspection, we'll do a drill, people will come out, people see what's the problems. And this is what we need to do with cybersecurity as well. We need to do drills, like in the army, understand who doing what, figure out what's we're missing, procedures, marketing, lawyers, incident response people. And by doing the drills, when the problem happened, unfortunately, when and not if, people will be able to react quickly, contain the problem, and hope will not create a big problem and will able just to have a minor incident that we call in the industry. So this is the main part that I'm thinking about it and I hope we can prevent by having a better architecture, better explanation to people and doing the tabletop exercise with our customers. Hmm. I find that really interesting, the point that you bring about, because I can relate to it, thinking about fire drills. And I think probably all our viewers can relate to that. That's something that is done regularly and it does help you to understand the risks and the procedures and the steps there. So those tabletop exercises really make sense. I, I really appreciate that illustration there. 
Um, I was going to ask you another question. I was reading a very interesting article, a blog that you actually put out, and, and it talked over uh, about the predictions in the world of cybersecurity. You made a very interesting prediction thinking forward over the next five years about digital right management, talking about documents. And I think you gave the example, if I remember right, about a PowerPoint document, for example, where you can actually assign that to a particular individual as far as permissions and, and that way other people can't take it. And I thought that was kind of an interesting spin there, thinking forward the next few years. Tell us a little bit about that so we can get some insight, kind of where we are now to perhaps where we might be in the future. So digital rights management existed for a long time. Unfortunately, in the majority of the cases, it was very convoluted and hard to implement in companies and also for people that are receiving the document. So if you and me working on a deal, and let's say you're my lawyer, and I send you a document. I want it easy for you to open the document, edit it, and send it back to me. If this becomes convoluted for both of us, we will not use the technology. And right now in the industry, we're slowly getting there with identity access management to understand who you are easier, prove who you are, and this way we can advance the digital rights management. When we get to this point, and I believe we'll do in five years, I can then have encryption, security on my document, on a document level. And even, we just spoke about a bridge you know, a couple of minutes ago, if something happened in my company and documents left my environment, I can sleep safe at night because I know they are encrypted and nobody else can open them. Similar to we all agree that having a laptop encryption, it's a good idea because if the laptop will be stolen, nobody can do anything with the laptop in majority of the cases. This way, bringing the security on a document level will create peace of mind for a lot of people, will able to let people, to give them the ability to control the document as well, who can see it, when they can see it, potentially not let the competitors to get the documents as well. And the entire idea of DLP, data leakage prevention, will go to a different level. But the mandatory part is ease of use. Yeah, yeah and I can see certainly if ease of use gets there, this, there could be some widespread adoptance to this and, and certainly improve security posture greatly. It's fascinating there. Th thank you. Now, now, last month it was announced that uh, Formula One Racing Series entered into a, a data protection partnership with Hershevik Group. Tell us a little bit about that if you can. So yes, we're going to be supporting Formula One, cybersecurity, managed services. Our people will be doing the races there. It's a very unique company because they basically build and remove data centers every time there's a race. So a lot of stuff going there. The cars are connected in a way to their own network. The people are connected. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of security needed there as well. And Hergery Group will help and secure Formula One races, and we will do much more than I can talk right now, at least, with Formula One as well. Oh, that's great. Con congratulations to, to, to all you Thank guys you. there at Hershevik Group. That, that's fascinating stuff. Now, now uh, tell me a little bit, I, I, I read and heard also that you enjoy photography, you enjoy Ferraris. I can clearly see from some of the pictures on, on your LinkedIn page there. And uh, again, all the work that Hershevik Group is doing there in the past with, with Ferraris, the love, I know Robert Hershevik certainly loves Ferraris. 
tell us a little bit about some of that more on the hobby side and your enjoyment there. Yes. I started with photography around 10 years ago. And it's actually thanks to Robert in, in a way that my racing photography became the main part of the hobby and the photography part because I had the opportunity to join Robert for some of his racing, a race called Ferrari Challenge, where Robert, where Robert used to be. And I went with him with multiple races and, and was taking the pictures. This is the picture you can see on my LinkedIn profile that I took in a place called Lime Rock. It's a very unique racing location in the US. And since then, I enjoy different actual photography, white water, motorcycles, and many, many things. Especially right now, I can take photos of my kids. They're action as well because they're always running and doing stuff. <laughs> it definitely created uh, and improved my creativity in general and many, many different things because photography is a unique skill where you need to combine your creativity and understanding of the technology how light work, how lenses are working, which lens to use, how to take the picture, how much post editing to do. Right now, it became much easier with iPhones, Androids, and many different phones that can do majority of the work for you. But you still need to know which angle to take a picture, what's gonna be in the background, where does the lighting come from? Because lighting didn't change you know, for at least a thousand years. It still exists, the sun is still the same. That's fascinating stuff. You know, I too have a, a love of Ferraris. And a number of years back, our company, Berkeley Veritronics, we actually had a contract for somebody that they, they purchased two Ferrari uh, F40s. They brought them to the US. Again, this was many years ago, but they, they hired us to actually modify the emissions to make them street legal. So I actually could brag that I actually got to sit and drive in a Ferrari F40, which is not a whole lot of them that they made back in those days. Um, so, so maybe one of these days you can get my picture uh, behind the wheel of a Ferrari and uh, I'll have a race against Robert and probably lose, but you could at least document that in a nice photo for us. <laughs> I hope very soon we can be able to see each other in general, because I think we all missed the human interaction and not just the Zoom part, even so with Zoom and Teams and many, many other different technologies, it's easier to connect at least, but still we all human being and we need human interaction. Yeah. Hey, hey, one thing, if you could also share with us, you got this really enjoyable podcast. I started to, to tune into a couple episodes. Tell us a little bit about that as well. It was, my, it was my pleasure. Around a year ago, me and my friend Dimitri had the idea to start a podcast and it came from the work we do day by day. We saw so many different companies have a lot of great technology that was not always implemented or customer will say, oh, we don't like this vendor, or this technology is not so good. And I was usually tell them, it's not always the case. Maybe it wasn't the right technology, or maybe it's not implemented correctly in your architecture. So we come up with the idea to have a podcast around architecture that will basically have different technologies on a podcast. And we came up with the idea almost like Netflix. We'll take a topic, We'll create questions and we invite multiple vendors to the podcast to explain their story, but we will guide them on the questions. So it's almost like an RFI request for information because every vendor will have to answer the same questions. We also had an industry leader to start the season to explain the problem and why we even in the season. So season one was actually when COVID started and we were talking about SASE outbound browsing everything related for you working from home 
and secure your laptop when you're browsing the internet. Season two, we continue with the idea and we covered SASE remote access. How do you connect from home securely back to your office or to SAS applications? We had 10 episodes in season one. We had 16, 17 episodes in season two, quite a long season. And right now we are working on season three. It will be around application security. And the idea came from SolarWinds because the problem there was application security. How do you develop application in a secure manner? And we want to feature companies in a different part of the development cycle when they can help other companies to have secure uh, development. Oh, that's great. Uh, wish you continued success with that podcast. Certainly exciting and I encourage people to tune in. We'll put the link in, in certainly in the show notes there and on the bottom of the screen as well. And, and maybe you could share with us, is there any other ways that uh, our viewers can reach out and maybe contact and chat with yourself, learn a little more about your podcast, a little bit more about what's going on at the Hershevik Group? Definitely. So hershevikgroup.com is the website where we're located. Uh, people can find you on LinkedIn, Evgeny E. Karam at hojagroup.com as well, or just Evgeny Karam, K-H-A-R-A-M on LinkedIn. And from there, they can navigate to the podcast LinkedIn page or to our website, or just message me directly. I'm quite often on LinkedIn, so I can answer there pretty quickly. And I can also explain a lot other things we can do in Hojagroup Group, and as my daily job, where we help customers with many different cybersecurity programs. Well, that's great. Well, well, thanks again for, for joining us, spending a little bit of time and sharing your insight with us. Uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you very much.